Genesis chapter 6, we're still um, talking about the flood. We started, in a, um, last week we got we talked about verse 8, about how uh, Noah found eight grace, grace in the eyes of the Lord. I will have to apologize, I bought some candy, and I was going to pass that out as people read and that kind of stuff. No, I just forgot. I didn't eat it all. It's still in the house. I did not eat it all. But the problem is, is now it's at the house for a whole two weeks before I teach again. Strong possibility it will get eaten by that, ha by that happening. So we well, got to get fresh candy. I will have to get fresh. Cheese, that's right? right. That's right. See, I like the way he thinks. Yeah. So I had three Musketeers and Reese's peanut butter cups. All right. So uh, sugar free. They're at the house. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> what? No Snickers. <laughs> no Snickers. That's bad. I can't pass out Snickers when I tee for. <laughs> so uh, I forgot those. I apologize. Um, but anyway, so verse 8, we talked about how Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, which is sad and it's amazing how in this time that Noah was living, that it was only Noah and his family that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When you look down on the earth and God sees the earth is so corrupt that he can only find one man, it is positive in the fact that we can stand against everybody. God is pleased when we take the stand, even when no one else is standing with you. Now, we live in a day and age that I highly doubt we'll ever get to the point where we don't have someone standing with us. But a lot of times it feels like we're the only church in the world that is actually taking a stand. So, you know, when you look down here and God's done with the world and he's ready to wipe things out, it's comforting to know that there are still those that are willing to take that stand. And, you know, no matter if the whole world is turned against you, God still expects us to take that stand. You know, so no matter how hard it gets or how rough it gets, Noah's a really good um, example of all that. So, uh, starting in verse 13, and we talked a little bit about it um, last week, but there's a couple things that I just personally, it just kind of came to my mind about the story of the ark. Um, what, what, the, what the ark teaches for me. All right, this is just some points that had kind of, as I was reading through these stories and stuff, and we kind of touched base on it. Um, someone read for me verse 13, even though I don't have candy. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So the first one is God will punish sin. All right, now this is a, what do I want to call that? When we were talking about Adam and Eve, when we talked about the consequences, we talked how the consequences showed that God punishes sin. This is yet another example of, at some point, God says enough is enough, and there has to be a punishment involved. Um, 
we understand that there's a lifestyle. And we read some verses last week. Titus talked about how we were supposed to live soberly, 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 righteously, and godly. First Corinthians, we talked about all things are lawful, but not things are expedient, which expedient. Um, flip that one up. Um, basically, there's several different meetings, uh, but useful or profitable, you know, it doesn't really help you grow. And that's and that's why interesting about that says you can do everything. And I, we, me and Andy was having this conversation yesterday. Can I eat Snickers as a Christian and not be punished? Absolutely. But in the 11th commandment, when it says thou shalt not eat Snickers, right? There's a punishment involved. That was in one of the 10 that got broke, just so you know. Snickers was one of those 10, right? So when I, are there things that the world does that I can partake in, whether it be music or entertainment or social things? Um, can I be this type of person or act this particular way and still believe in God? Yes, because saved is saved. Sometimes I question if you were truly saved, but only God knows that, all right? Just because I have an addiction to Snickers, it's not going to throw me into hell. Just because I listen to a certain kind of music, it's not going to throw me into hell. But in this verse, he says, it's all lawful, but it's not all expedient. Not everything will help me grow in my relationship with God. And that's ultimately our plan. And that's what, you know, the conversation Andy and I was talking about was there are things, like I was telling him, we was talking about music. My big thing's music, in case you haven't caught on to that yet, all right? Um, I liked Hank Williams Jr. I still think Hank Williams Jr. is probably one of the greatest singers of all time. I've seen him in concert a couple of times. I've seen Waylon Jennings in concert. I loved country music, but it did not help me grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it helped me grow in my relationship with drinking and partying and all that other fun worldly stuff. And, what's that? It's some boot scooting. You know, I wait. He does a boot scoot boogie. That's uh, what's the brothers? Brooks and Dunn. That's Brooks and Dunn. Okay. That came from Paula. That's your, you've been told, right? Um, so, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those situations that. So that is something that I sacrificed because I know that, that does, that's not expedient. Is, is listening to, to him going to send me to hell? Well, no, it's not because I'm saved and I love God and I, and I want to do, and it's, I want to please God. So there are things, a lifestyle, and God expects, if he's willing to punish sin, if God looked down on the earth and said, this is not pleasing, then that means there is a lifestyle that he expects us to live. And just like with my boys, when, when I ground them and punish them, it's because there's a particular way I expect them to be in the home. Oh, oh I thought she was raising your hand. Go ahead. I see, and I look at it too, it's a cleansing thing. Both on the, the scale of the whole earth when he takes... takes well, it, yeah, you're and right. Say even with our life, sometimes he does that to cleanse well, us from our correct. place. Yeah, but that's not the point I'm going for right now. Um, so when you look down upon us in this particular situation, God will punish sin because he expects us to live a particular way. Romans 6, 13, we read, talk about how we got to yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness. There are just things we have to do, whether it's something we want to do. And 
the example that I was given, as Andy and I was talking about this, is this new healthy lifestyle Lori and I are trying our darndest to live by. That listen, going to Mammals and, and breakfast at Mammals blows that, you know, biscuits and gravy, Mammals biscuits and gravy and, and stuff that just, it doesn't count at Mammals as far as I'm concerned. That was my, Mammals is calorie free, I don't care what Mammal makes, all right, that's just how that works. Um, but anyway, there are things that her and I will eat now because we've been changing the way we eat, like cauliflower pizza. If you'd have tried that with me a couple months ago, you, uh, no way, you've lost your mind. No, not going to do it. Okay. But it's actually good. It, but it's actually, but I was willing to try it because I've been cleaning up the way that I eat more now to where it opens, well, maybe it's not going to be all that horrible. And it was something that we tried. And it's the same way here. The more we try to please God, the more we'll find out that, hey, his things really are a lot more enjoyable than I thought they were, you know. And, and it's just the, kind of the more, well, it's the same way with sin, right? The more you do a little bit of sin, the more other sin you're willing to do. You know, and when people with addictions, no one starts out being a homeless drunk on the side of the road. It's not like they're like, sweet, that's the, you know, I want to be Narcan. That's my deal, man, you know, <laughs> right? That's not what people shoot for. But what is it? It's a little bit here, a little bit there, and the next thing you know, you're being saved by paramedics or you're living on a street because you gambled your house and your family fell apart or you know what I mean it's all that little and that's this lifestyle God expects so you know to me just reading in this this first verse here I, I read that at some point God will punish them and that is contrary completely to American Christianity teachings today is the idea that there's actually Punishment. I mean, in fact, you hear just exactly the opposite, right? I mean, what do you typically hear people say? Do but, God loves you. Yeah, God loves you anyway. It doesn't matter how you are or, or, or who you are. And partially that is true. God does love you who you are. But he expects a change. He expects us to come out of that. I, I had um, Pastor <laughs> who told me that God doesn't punish Christians, but I do believe he chastises us. I'm only going to go so far. So I do think that, I don't know if it's a play on words or not, but I think chastisement is a type of punishment. I mean, I, I don't think it's fun. <laughs> right. No, I would agree with Absolutely. you. I, I think that's more of a play on words. Well, I think they think because you're a Christian and you can't lose your salvation, you're not going to be punished. He put Jonah in a whale of, belly of a whale. Right. There's, no There's a little bit more than a scolding going on there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, right? I mean, Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. There's, I mean, there's a lot of situations there. I mean, David was one of his greatest men, and yet, you know, what happened? He wasn't allowed to build a temple. Yeah, you know, he, there's, so I, yeah, I think that's a, a, I think not going into promised lands are pretty, Huge punishment, you know. Now you want to say they're not Christians because that was pre-Christ. I think they're still followers of God. You know what I mean? They were. I think they were still followers of Christ because they recognized. Maybe we could say he does. Oh, that God does not punish us. No. He lets us do it to ourselves. Well, I mean, he does talk about sometimes how he turns us over to yeah. you know our, our own desires and stuff. But I, 
punishment, chastisement, I don't care what the word is. He doesn't just let it go. You know, there's still, he has to address it and make a correction of some sort. Yes, sir? I think it's anger. I mean, he, he got angry at Moses, mm -hmm. you know, so. And, and he gets angry at us sometimes, even though we're saved or whatever. And I think he does that to wake us up. Yeah. I mean, he gets, you know, we, we were talking about the repentant and that kind of stuff. He grieves. I think it breaks his heart to see mm -hmm. that all that he has done for us. And Trevor's still messing up, you know. I mean, how many times do I got to tell my puppy no bite? You know, it's right. it's like, apparently it's about a million and a half and still counting. <laughs> uh, you know, but I mean, God is constantly looking down at Trevor going, no, Trevor, no. I told you not to get that. <laughs> <laughs> he, told you not to get, he did not tell me not to get that. But I mean, he knows what we're missing out on. I mean, because we're we're missing out on blessings and growth. And I mean, and then like we may not be like punished per se, but I mean, I think that we're going to have jobs in heaven. And so we may not have as much. We're not going to be able to give him back as much because we didn't do enough with our life. Yeah, I, you know, I think a lot of the, of course, the grieving is because it breaks that relationship. But I think God wants to bless us. Of course. And when we're, you know, it's like, again, I keep going back to the kids. You know, I want for them to come and go and live, you know, their life and give them things and help them. But sometimes they just make it impossible for me to yeah. do that. Amen. And it's like, you're always mad. You're always a bonehead. You know, I mean, <laughs> seriously. That word has been used a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's, let's stop being boneheaded, and then we're good, Jim. It's also the difference between, like you mentioned, the person on the side of the street. You may feel like, man, what, what kind of moron takes and starts shooting up heroin? But if it's your own family member, your disappointment and your upset is, and that's, I think, how it is with God. God, you may be doing the same thing a lost person is. But they don't have that relation with God. Yeah, exactly. you're, you're, you're hurting him. He knows what he has for you. And and it's it's just, it's more personal, I think, with God at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Because okay. you, you have that connection. You we know. have to watch who we hang out with. Yeah. Well, and again, that's we, that whole... Just who we hang out with. And, and, that, and that continues to be that God expects us to live a particular way. He expects us to do certain things. Have certain things in our life, not have certain things in our life. If it's not expedient, if it's not helping my relationship with Christ, then it's hindering and it's got no business being in my life. And also, is it going to hinder your testimony to other people you're trying to witness to? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Now this marker's done. We're going to do new markers. Um, Genesis. You see, we just read 13. Let's read verse 14. I don't know. I read the wrong one. Sorry. No, that was my fault. Um, so along with 13, sorry. So we got the punishment, right? We also need to make sure that we are, because 13 and 14, he's telling him to build the ark, all right? We need to be prepared for the end. All right? God said he's going to destroy the earth. And so instead of God just saying, well, good luck, Noah. He gives him directions, and it requires Noah to do so. All right, so um, 
Did I not write those up there? I got verses I didn't write up there. Matthew 24, 44. I have them. I'll read them. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think, not the Son of Man cometh, right? So it's telling us that you got to be ready. We have no idea when he's coming. Luke 12, 40. Do I have that one up there? Oh, yeah. I just deleted one. That's what I've done. Who has that one? Anybody? Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. All right. So here's this New Testament teaching that at some point Christ is going to come. We don't. We have no idea when he's coming. All right? But we should be ready. Now, when you look at American Christians... Christian teaching today. Do they teach be ready for the coming of God? Not in lifestyle. No. I mean, you can't turn around and say live however you want to live and God's going to forgive all that stuff and be concerned unless you're having your best life now. Unless you're having your best life now, yeah. You know, God tells Noah, he says, listen, the ins- now, God didn't tell Noah when it was coming. Right? He just said it's coming, and I want you to build an ark. Now, had Noah said, well, I'll get started on it at some point, right? Or had Noah said, I'm going to build it this way, or I'm going to build it that way, right? He's not preparing God's way. We, We as believers in Jesus Christ, we as Christians must be ready for the coming of Christ. We do not know the hour, the day. You know, my, my, I've heard, well, then we just keep saying every day Christ is coming. That way he'll never come because it says he'll never come when someone knows that he's coming, right? <laughs> Go right ahead, you do that. <laughs> right? But if we honestly, if you found out today for sure that Christ was coming next Sunday how different would your life change right now I mean in all honesty you know of course Monday I would quit work I should tell you right now well and and it's it's interesting because you say that because the world would say if I knew that it was coming to an end on Sunday then I'm gonna do the things that I've always wanted to do and tell off the people that I've always wanted to tell off right <laughs> which is not really a bad idea to be honest but um not the right one. Go ahead. Well, and if Noah knew that it was going to take as long as it did, he may have procrastinated and then not been ready. Where if he just trusted God and followed his plans, which you know sometimes we do the same. Yeah. How much work would have Noah put in that if God told him, "Hey, for a hundred years, I need you to build this ark"? What? If he's anything like my kids, he'd wait till the 99th year and try to get it all all slapped together, right? It's like, you know, I need your room clean. We'll be home in in 10 hours, nine and a half hours. They're running around throwing the stuff together. I didn't have time to do that, you know. Um, But listen, we, this, the ark tells us that, hey, God punches in. And it tells us that we need to be prepared. 
He's coming. We need to be ready for the day that he arrives. Take him at his word. We all trust him when he says that if we die today, you know, saved, that he's going to give us heaven. We trust him with our salvation. Do we honestly, truthfully believe, live like we believe that he's coming any day? Do you tell people like that? Correct. You know, and I know our lives are busy and we're probably in the busiest time of our lives, you know, in, in history. Um, so it seems all wild and crazy, but what if God was coming tomorrow? You know, what would that change? All right, and I'm not saying go quit your job. <laughs> no, I said I would quit my job. I said I would quit my job. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, everyone breaks out the Snickers. Um, all right, so the next one, the next one there it talked about, and this was just something that just kind of, um, I was reading, somebody kind of mentioned it, and I was reading about it. It talks about um, using pitch. Does anybody know what pitch is? It's like slime. Like slime? Sadly enough, as a sound guy, I have no idea about music theory. Um, pitch is a resin of some sort from a pine or a turpentine, and it was used in the day as some sort of caulk to seal the boats. So it was just interesting. What popped out to me is to be prepared for the coming, we must be sealed. We must be sealed, um, or you can even use the word covered. All right. In this situation, now, this is just something that came to my head, but, you know, I'm thinking the boat is the method of salvation. And so the method of salvation you know, to, for it to work, it had to be covered. We had to be sealed to be saved, you know. So um, in 2 Corinthians yeah, one twenty two. Second Corinthians one verses twenty one and twenty two. Now he which established us with you in Christ, he hath anointed us in God, who hath also sealed us, has given us earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So Christ as our salvation, we are sealed with Christ through the flood or the coming of God until the end, right? So Within Christ, we are sealed until Redemption Day. Right? You build that boat all day long. If you didn't seal it, how well would have that boat worked? This boat right here. This one would not have lasted. It's not sealed. And while it's paper, but that doesn't count. <laughs> Alright? So, which, you know, it you have to be covered... You have to be sealed, which tells us, of course, that 
there's requirements, and that and that's what we get into the next one here. But the, I just saw that pitch, and it talked about it being sealed. I just kind of, you know, the Bible talks about being sealed to Redemption Day and how the blood of Christ covers it all. You know, just man's works alone wasn't enough. You know, it took, you know, took God's directions. All right, um, back to Genesis. Verse um, 15 and 16. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to, to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shall... Thou set in the side thereof, with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. Alright, so here's what we got here. God has a set of requirements. Alright. In order for the ark to do what God needed it to do, it had to be built a special way. All right? He didn't just say, hey, throw together something and y'all are going to be good to go. He gave a specific way. Now, so your length was 300. That's equal to about 450 feet. All right. Or 150 yard. All right, so about a football and a half field. It's basically the rough comparison they got coming up. So your width was 50 cubics, and that is 70, 75 feet. And then lastly, your height was 30 cubics, and that's roughly 45 feet. All right, what else did it said? It had one window, one door. That, just, that word window was not wanting to work. One door. And it even says how many floors it was supposed to have. Three. Three floors. Now, when you go out to the ark, well, I've never been to the actual ark, but when you go out to the um, creation museum, it's interesting to see some of, there's actually one thought process that, that there's a hole in the bottom and it worked. Have you ever seen them underwater vehicles that have the moon pools? Mm-hmm. Well, the idea was, is that there was a hole down here and as it did this number, that did like a, a piston type motion. So it was constantly sucking in through the, the, the windows, that kind of stuff, and, and back out. So you were constantly pushing out the bad air and sucking in fresh air because you get all those animals up in there. The idea is that carbon monoxide is going to be kicking up a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, but again, I have no idea how God made it work, but God's supernatural. He could just make it not smell. You know, he's better than Febreze. Well, also, they probably weren't eating at the level that they would have because they're not, they're sedentary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a zillion different ways. I basically, I wasn't there. It doesn't change. I mean, I know it happened. I believe that it happened. 
to argue with someone over was there a moon pool, was there, you know, the way they ate, was there all this other kind of stuff. God supernatural, God did what God did. As far as I'm concerned, you know, he just made it happen. All right? So, but what the ark does tell me is that there is a particular way God says salvation is to happen, right? That's what he did in the in the Garden of Eden, Eden, when they sinned. He came out and he said, this is what I'm going to send, right? Well, he made his way with Noah to make sure that continues. Well, now as the ark, as a mode of transport or mode of salvation, it had to be built God's way. So Noah had to build the ark this way. He couldn't have built it any other way and it worked the way God wanted it to work because then it's don't have God's blessing. Now, how that boat went through, all that it went through, it happened because God made it happen. And so when we live, say, hey, well, we can live however we want to live, and Christ isn't the only way. There are other ways to heaven, and, you know, it's Disneyland. All roads lead to heaven at some point. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible, in fact, when you study the temple, I don't know if any of you ever went through Dad's temple class or have read the temple. You want to talk about, I mean, it's down to thread count. You know what I mean? It is color it is really specific when it comes down to temple um of course you know when you look at the coming messiah all the different prophecies and whatnot um matthew 19 23 and 24 now, this is Christ speaking. He says, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall not hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Christ is telling us there is a requirement for heaven. Not what the world says. Now, he doesn't say what it is at this particular point, but there is a requirement. This is the teaching all throughout Scripture. There is a requirement. Of course, John 3.15 tells us. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave who? His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him might be saved all right christ is that standard when it comes to you know salvation this was the standard for the ark and he had to build it this way if you want to get into heaven you've got to follow jesus christ you have to follow the standard now you can try to be as perfect as jesus christ you think that's going to work out for you Probably not going to make it that way. In fact, I guarantee it. All right? So you could even build a boat kind of like the ark. But no one else. I'm pretty sure that when the rains came, other people tried to build some sort of flotation device. You know, or at least hug their airplane seats or something. All right? They tried. There was other modes of man-made salvation, but they didn't make it. Huh? It didn't last. It didn't last. Bloody 
What's that? Like a floating log. <laughs> like a floating log, yeah. Um, you know, there's no telling. I can't imagine everybody just sat there like, oh, man, no, it's right. Oh, well, guess we'll drown. You know, I'm pretty sure everyone really, really tried. Stand on my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, stand on my shoulders. Um, so, you know, it continues to amaze me how when you study the scriptures, and we're still just in chapter 6, how Christianity is so messed up on the mode of salvation. How is this concept that there really is a standard, a way that we're supposed to obtain salvation, why is this foreign? Well, it's because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Man wants what man wants, and he'll twist whatever he has to twist to make it true. You don't like facing reality. Yeah, you're exactly right. All right, fast forward to chapter 7. Verses 15 through 17 say, And they went into Noah and the ark, two and two of all flesh, uh, wherein is the breath of life. And they went in, um, went in male and female, all flesh, as God has commanded him, the Lord shut him in. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift upon the earth. We talked about we must be sealed, prepare for the end. The last one the ark teaches, the end will come. Believe it or not, prepare for it or not, that end's coming anyway. Christ is going to return, right? The flood was coming. No matter had Noah made the boat or not, it's not like, now mind you, as soon as Noah finished the boat, the rain started to come. But had he procrastinated, I don't think God would have pushed all that off. Mm -hmm. Right? He said, I'm wiping it out. I'm sending the flood. He didn't give a time frame. But had Noah said, eh, I don't really want to do it, I assume God would have, what well, he probably would have just had to start completely over with a brand new Adam and Eve or however. But I assume it was coming. I mean, he said, I'm wiping the earth out. Yeah. Right? So we need to make sure that we're prepared. It is coming whether we want to believe it or not. Um, and and the, the beautiful part about that is it says, and the Lord shut them in. God cut it off. Boom. He shut that door and there was no more getting in and out. Those, there's an end coming and there's a time frame for that end. And all these people that think, well, I, you know, I'll, I've got, you know, those, what's to say, um, those people who plan to accept God in the 11th hour, die at 1030, yeah. you know, yeah. we can put it off all we want. We're not changing God's timetable. The end, and I'll be quite honest, it's got to be coming really soon. I, I can't, I can't imagine, I can't imagine how bad it was here for him to wipe out the flood compared to what we're doing, what we're doing today yeah. you know it's like seriously could it have been as bad worse it had to have been worse right yeah it had to be worse so I couldn't even imagine of course there's only one guy left no there's at least a handful of us left here you know so when there's only one of you in this classroom prepare it's coming alright <laughs> when you show them there's no one else in this church then we know that 
Um, so, and, yeah, and I like the idea that says, and, and the Lord shut them in. God, you only get so many chances. Now, I don't know what my number is. God gave me a million and still gives them. But when it comes to the end, at one point, God will say, go get my children. It's time to start. And that's the scary part is to, to realize, you know, I can imagine these guys all standing around laughing at Noah mm -hmm. until that door <laughs> said, that sinks in. I'm not getting on that boat. Yeah. There's probably still laughing because the blood hadn't come. Once that water started to come, when he finished that boat, think back to, you know, we talk about how we should be prepared for the end. How many of us are going to have family members that may not make this? I mean, I know a lot of, of lost ones. Am I prepared? Am I helping them be prepared? I mean, Noah was building this for his family. You know, it wasn't just him. There was eight. So, you know, in this situation, it teaches, it points to, the ark is pointing to all of what is also still to come. All right, 2 Peter 2, 5. says, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Noah, because he was a preacher of righteousness, I believe he preached the coming for the hundred years that he was. Now, it doesn't outright say Noah's, Noah went around and preaching, but if Noah found a grace in the eyes of God, and the New Testament calls him a preacher of righteousness. That tells me that as he was building the ark, he was preaching the end, right? So you have this mentality that even though I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, it's still my job to tell the people, listen, it is coming. I'm not building this ark for no reason, right? The end will come. Um, 1 Peter 3.20 Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was, was a preparing wherein few, that is, in eight souls were saved by water. It says wherein few, eight, talking about him waiting there. I mean, I, I believe that God waited as long as he felt was necessary for those to repent, which is, I think, only thing that's holding him back now is I, there are still those that he still needs to to reach for whatever the reason is. You know, that's yeah, that. it's not like he like built the ark in like two days. I mean, you know, it's not like I mean, they had a long time that they saw this happening and that it was inquired or preached about. He's working on it for about hundred years. Yeah, yeah, it was a hundred years. So, yeah. Do you think there were other people that believed during that time that because of their lifestyle, just like today, I think God will take, I think after you go so far, he'll only let you go so far. And then I think kind of like what he did with Moses. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe there were those that maybe they just weren't living. I, you know, really the picture just reading just the words alone was Noah and his family are the only people that even cared about God. It's a picture of the rapture too. Correct. Yeah, you know, but I, you know, I would want to say yes. I, I couldn't imagine, like today, I couldn't imagine that it is 
just eight people that call out on God's name. You know, I couldn't, that just blows my mind. Now, I think it's less than what it used to be, but I can't imagine that it is only the Ballard family that is still serving God and the rest of the world has fallen away. But... Yeah, use the word disobedience. So I don't know if that meant that there were other believers, but yet yeah. just didn't visit, you know, They had just gotten yeah. so far. And a very... I mean, he, he, I mean, and he does that. He, there's a point where God says, I'm like, we keep going back to Moses. Moses was a great man, did a great many number of things, but God said, because of this, you are not allowed in that promised land. Yeah. And that very well, I say, listen, there could, because we, we saw the line, the lineage through Seth. There was a lot of godly people in through that land. I, it's hard for me to believe that Noah was the last one, but they may have all gotten so <laughs> corrupted that. They were still being completely disobedient. So, I just can't imagine that noise. You know, they had to hear them begging and pleading and pounding on the ark to get in. I just can't. Imagine yeah, I'd be curious to see it. how that all went down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, oh, well, we need to wrap this up. Yeah. So basically, they just ignored all of his teaching and preaching, which we have that today. Um, they honestly just didn't believe that that end was actually going to come. And I think, well, that's what all of this come down. If we honestly, truthfully lived like that end was coming no matter what how different would our lifestyles be would we argue so much yeah but i'm like you know that i enjoy hank williams jr that makes i i, I like listening to that but if i know that it ain't helping me grow which my growth helps me witness to my kids and my family and whatnot then if i know hey god could come in two days then cutting that out of my life is not the end of the world you know stop eating the snickers it's a bad testimony <clears throat> All right, let's close there.